welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Pratt. And today our guest is Luke Greasup. And he began his investing journey by burying single family homes out of state then moved on into passive multifamily investments as a limited partner. And today he's a passive investor in three multifamily syndications. And his main focus is on helping educate his network on the power of real estate investing and presenting offerings to network in partnerships with best-in-class operators. So Luke, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you, Aileen. I'm really happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Likewise. No, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. And Spending a little bit of time here with us today. Yeah, no problem. So Luke, can you share with us a little bit about, uh, give us a little bit more into an insight into your background, how you got started with real estate? Yeah. So my journey was very unexpected, I would say. I moved out from Ohio to Arizona in 2015. And my first sales career job was at Yelp, which I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with Yelp. And that office was just filled with a lot of people right out of college. And it was very easy to make friends there because there were so many folks. And one of my friends, when we were working together there, we got talking about like 401k was new to most of us because we were right out of school and we just now started having a 401k. And my friend has a real estate background through his family. They've just been a real estate family. Um, I believe they did some development for a long time. And he had brought up this idea of investing in real estate to me. And I didn't even know really what that meant at the time. I didn't know. It just seemed out of reach. It seemed like, oh, that idea sounds cool, but how would I ever go about that? And so sure enough, like probably that week or the following week, sometime around then, I ended up going just onto Google and typed in real estate investing <laughs> and ended up stumbling upon bigger pocket, which I'm sure everybody is familiar with. And I feel like for the next really one, two, three, several years, ended up doing a big deep dive on bigger pockets, listening to podcasts, doing that whole thing. And then I would say about a year after hearing about it, I bought my first rental property, a single family house, turnkey rental in Ohio. And ended up over the following couple of years growing that Burr portfolio. And so that's where it really began. And 2016, I started at, I pivoted from Yelp and joined a company called Apartment List. And so that gave me some exposure into what multifamily real estate was. Although my investing journey did not start there, it seemed like it made the most sense because I was already interested in investing in some type of real estate. And then a few years down the road, it seemed like the right move to make uh, into multifamily since I was already in the space. So you were already living in Arizona when you decided to purchase your first turnkey property back in Ohio. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so being out of state and buying it in Ohio, how did that transition work for you? Or like, how did that first property walk us through a little bit on how you went through the process of being comfortable with being in Arizona and investing in Ohio? 
So it's funny when you ask that question, because I totally forgot about something that made me be open to that idea, because that was another thing. It's like, I have to look in the market that I'm in. That just doesn't always occur to you that you can go outside of the market you're in. So I was talking to somebody who had some experience purchasing single family rental houses, and he was helping me look in Arizona just very casually on Zillow. I didn't have an MLS subscription or anything like that. And he goes, why don't you look in Ohio? Because I brought up that I'm from Ohio. And I said, how would I do that? And he's like, well, do you know anybody in Ohio? And turns out one of my friends from college was actually a realtor in Ohio. And I ended up partnering with him. And so he more served as boots on the ground. I was able to put up more capital because he was boots on the ground. And turned out he knew a property manager. He knew a contractor. So things just kind of fell into place. And I was fortunate. I didn't have to really go... A lot of people really go out there and vet super hard because I had this good relationship already. And he had some other connections. Are you still focusing on some turnkey properties as well? Do you still hold those properties or did you transition your portfolio into multifamilies when you found it? So not actively looking at purchasing more of the single family turnkey properties or burr opportunities, more so all multifamily at this point. So like I mentioned, or like you mentioned in the bio, currently I'm a uh, limited partner in in three large multifamily syndications. So yeah, that's kind of where all the focus has went. Uh, and then also getting into helping my network and family, friends, and their family and friends ideally learn about this asset class because it can be so powerful. So yeah, today it's all all multifamily. How did you make that jump from the single family turnkeys into multifamily? And what kind of drove your decision at that point? So here in Arizona, it's a really hot market. A lot of things I would see online, just like through, again, the research through bigger pockets and through going to some meetups and meeting like-minded people in this industry, I ended up stumbling upon uh, Rise 48 Equity, which if anyone on your podcast is in the Arizona market or invests in it, I'm sure they know the name. They've done really well and grown very fast. So what I did was... I'll take a step back and say why. First reason was because of all the content I was consuming, every person that I heard, every, every operator, every experienced investor in real estate Anytime they were asked, what would you do differently or what would you change? They would say, go bigger, faster. And so that got my gears turning a little bit and said, why am I messing around with the small individual one-off deals when instead of trying to buy 100 homes over the next 15, 20 years, I could just do that in one transaction or at least have part ownership in one transaction. So that was where my head started to go and why I ended up making the pivot. Plus, my W-2 position is already in the apartment space. So I knew something about it. That made me a little more comfortable. And I stumbled upon Rise48. And Zach, who's their CEO, he's very communicative. He, You can tell he cares. He tell, cares a lot about you and your goals. And even as a small-time investor with him, he was open to having me come on site look at the renovation plan, look at what's being executed. So that made me feel really comfortable. And then outside of that, just the return profile itself was good. And I knew I didn't have to deal with any tenant headaches anymore. I didn't have to deal with any of that. I was just passive and my liability was limited to exactly what I was putting in the deal. So for all of those reasons, it just was a lot more attractive and appealing for me to invest in multifamily. 
And it helps also because you're in the market and you're able to see the property, you're able to walk it and feel it, look at it and visit it whenever you want to. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The in-market aspect, it was so cool when I could actually go on site and see the business plan being implemented. I even got to meet the property managers. So that all just made me feel really good about what I was doing. How did that conversation go when you were first looking at different opportunities to get into investing as a limited partner? What were some of the main factors that was important for you first of all and foremost? And what were you looking for? Um, the biggest things were like, I was all about, okay, I got to know every single number that's going into this and all of the underwriting, what I've learned and what you'll hear a lot of people in this industry say is that you're betting on the jockey and not the horse. It's all about the person and the group or the team that you're investing in first. That's first and foremost, because you can't be honesty and communication. Those are the two most important things. So that was big for me. The market was very important for me as well. So that's another tip I would share with newer investors is paying attention to first the operator and then second really comes the market. Understand that it should have population growth. It should have some job growth, ideally household income growth, and ideally a diversified economy. So that's what made me feel comfortable with the Phoenix market. I recall telling people when I first moved here, I'm like, I'm long Phoenix. Like I'm very bullish on Phoenix long-term just because it's right next to California, higher prices often there. You have a lot of influx of people from California and just other markets. Midwest folks like to come here because it's just the, the weather is better. That's one of the reasons I moved. And so again, just to take a step back, the first thing operator, second thing would be market with some of those factors included. And then last, honestly, would come the deal. And not that the deal is not important. It clearly is. It's what you're investing in as a business. But I would say in that order are the most important things with the deal, looking at their assumptions and keeping it really less than 5%, roughly organic rent growth. Even five starts to get, starts to push it. And then like their exit cap rate, keeping a conservative exit cap rate. And then if you're ever unsure about a deal, just go on a site like Bigger Pockets or some other social network where you can work with uh, experienced real estate people and just ask them, host a sample deal somewhere and just ask the numbers look like and get feedback. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So I kind of want to walk through, you know, you've done a couple of deals so far as a limited partner. I want to kind of walk through a little bit when you were first investing as a limited partner to kind of where you are today and how 
the transition happened for you, the kinds of questions that you were asking, especially as you were learning more and more and deep diving. Because one, in the beginning, you're still vetting out the sponsor. You're still trying to figure out and do this back and forth dance with them, try to figure out if they're the right person that you want to bet on first. Mm -hmm. And then after you've established that relationship, now you're diving into the deal a little bit more. You're, you have more sophistication in uh, the types of things that you're looking for in the evaluation of the actual deal itself. Mm-hmm. So if we were to go back when you first were evaluating the sponsor, how did that initial conversation look like for you? And what were some of the, maybe give us a couple of top questions that you really had to ask and get out before you felt comfortable enough to continue that relationship? So the first one would just be having, I think it's important first to have just like an introductory call. And maybe that first call is 15 minutes and you're just getting to know them, or even if they're willing to go have coffee with you, learn about them, learn about their values, learn about their career experience. So I would say that's first, just get a feel for the person you're actually investing with. And then second, when you start to get a little more into the nitty gritty of their details, ask one excellent question would be, tell us about, tell me about something that's went wrong in a deal and how did you handle it? Because if they haven't ever had anything go wrong, well, maybe they're a little more inexperienced and you should reconsider going with a more experienced investor. Not that there's anything wrong with brand new operators, like you have to start somewhere, but at least knowing that they have leveraged the experience of someone else. And maybe they have an example of something that went wrong for that person. That is one of the first questions that comes to mind for me. Another one would be, how often am I hearing from you? How can I get a hold of you when I need to know something? Because it has to be often communication. And you don't want to be the pest person who's constantly bugging them, of course. But when you're putting up a significant amount of money, and you have to know that communication is key. So that when it comes to questions to ask as a newer investor, those are the first two that really come to mind for me. And so now you've established a relationship, all these boxes are checked off, the sponsor is great, you feel confident. And then now as you've gotten into the first deal, now you're looking at the markets, you're looking at different other aspects as well. You've done one deal, two deals. And now if we fast forward to where you are today, what kind of more specific questions are you asking? And what are some specific things that you're looking at the deal itself, maybe with the same sponsor? Yeah, definitely. So with You could go down a rabbit hole of questions to ask, but some of the main ones with the deal that first come to mind for me is assumptions. If, you know, I think in 2020 and 2021, it was pretty normal to see skyrocketing rent growth in every single market, no matter where you were. That has to be a little more conservative now. I actually just read earlier today that year over year rent growth is seven and a half percent which is strong, but that's not going to be 7.5% in every market. And it definitely isn't going to be the double digit that we saw in the previous two years. So that's softening a little bit. And I think a sweet spot's like 3% roughly organic rent growth to look out for. And then another one is what kind of exit cap rate are you projecting? Because if it's the same or lower (laughs) than what they're going in at the deal, that's certainly something you want to avoid. I think anywhere from like 10 to 25 basis points per year is pretty normal from what I hear on the exit cap. And then lastly, like what are the debt terms? You need to know if it's a floating or a fixed rate. And if it's a floating rate, they better have a rate cap that caps out how high the rate could go. You want to know about the loan to value. In today's market, it's probably below 60. 
whereas a year ago, it may have been 75. So those are two components with the debt. And then the third component with the debt I would mention is term. Having a longer term is definitely much safer. The most recent deal I invested in was a seven-year term, which made me feel pretty good. And especially in today's market, trying to maybe avoid some of those shorter term floating rate debt terms. We were seeing the three plus one plus one loans for a long time the from the bridge lenders. So from the market standpoint, it's again, it's the, the population growth, the job growth, household income growth, diversified economy. And then from the deal perspective, assumptions like cap rates, rent growth, as well as the debt terms themselves. What is your sentiment and what are you looking forward to doing next? And what's your focus on within real estate? And are you still continuing to be optimistic about where the market is going? I'm definitely optimistic about where the market's going still. Reason being, I think inflation is going to persist for quite a while. Even though it, the CPI has decreased a little bit, I think that overall we will see inflation for some time. And real estate's an excellent inflation hedge especially in multifamily, you have one-year leases. So you can reset those leases year over year to match inflation. And then one aspect of inflation and real estate that people don't talk about often enough is the debt debasement. Meaning if you have inflation's running at 10% and you're raising your rents every year by 10% and your debt's fixed, well, you have a 10% tailwind against that debt. So inflation is essentially eating away your debt for you. So that's just one reason real estate in general, specifically multifamily, because you have those huge loan balances and a 10% inflation rate can be pretty significant. Another one's for housing affordability. That's why I continue to be bullish on multifamily. I heard Jason Hartman, if follow Jason Hartman out there, if you're not following him yet, he said during one of his interviews that for every 1% decrease in a multi or sorry, 1% decrease in affordability for single family homes that equates to about a million renters who have to continue to rent out in the market. So that, that was a really cool little uh, factor nugget that he threw out there. So I would say those are the two main things that come to mind when you ask that question is like, how do I feel about multifamily moving forward? It's really that the inflation and the fact that housing affordability continues to be so hot or so low. And Luke, how has real estate investing impacted your life? So that's a really good question. I would say it's allowed me to get creative and be a little more, have some more grit, if you will. Like it's something I've felt very passionately about just building that long-term wealth that can support me and my family and free up time for me in the future. So it's really kind of lit a fire under me, if you will, more so that than it has impacted me at this point financially, which I'm totally fine with because in real estate, it's a slow game. You're not trying to get rich quick by any means. So it's also led me to meeting amazing people. In real estate, you have to rely on your network. You have to build teams and be networking like a madman. And so I would say those are like the two biggest things that stand out to me. There was one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started. What would that be? One thing that I had in my head when I was starting out is that this like, well, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but definitely jumping into something like multifamily first. Because if I just went right toward a multifamily investment instead of the down payment I made in my first single family house, it would have required way less work. <laughs> and I would have been 
earning higher cash flow, even though I have a good cash flowing single family asset, repairs come up or tenants move out and then the, the turns cost so much money. And even though on paper, it's like my rents are up here and my mortgage is way down here, it looks like a really good cash flowing asset. It would have been like hitting the easy button for me to go make a limited part like an investment as an LP in a multifamily syndication. So yeah, that, I would say that. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? Ooh, I'll say two things, persistence and team building. I heard a quote, a conference that I was at somewhat recently. And what he said was that in single family investing, it's single, it's just you. And then in multifamily investing, it's multi, you're building a team. And so I think teams are super important. And it's looking out for your investors as well in multifamily real estate. When you have people who can fit the roles that they're best in rather than trying to do it all yourself, that just makes sense. It's going to make for a more efficient, sound investment rather than trying to do it all yourself. Awesome. And Luke, where can our listeners find out more about you and follow your journey? So there's a few places to find me. Definitely follow me on Instagram. It's rule72, R-U-L-E-7-2 equity. So rule72 equity on Instagram. And then you can email me anytime, Luke at rule72equity.com or just call or text me because I'm always willing to chat. My number is 419-305-3045. So yeah, I'm willing to talk anytime, but those seem like the three best places. Awesome. Well, Luke, I appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about yourself today. Thank you, Aileen. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.